Blog Talk Radio. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of Emily Talks. We have Lizzo playing because we are talking DNA test today with David Barry. I'm here um, with my co-host Dave Lennis. Dave? I am here. Hello. Happy Father's Day, everybody. Sorry, I'm over here trying to work the board and try Happy to do Father's this. I was trying to learn. I was trying to figure out how to... Uh, Lower things down, but couldn't get it going there. Sorry about that. That's okay. We got Lizzo talking about a DNA test. And, again, the reason for that, we have Dave Barry here today. Um, Dave Dave has such an interesting story that when I decided to do a podcast, he was on my, like, first first draft list of, of guests. He is a phenomenal writer, um, and he has put together this blog about his DNA test experience called The Barry Chronicles. So whatever you hear today, I'm sure it'll be wonderful, but it will not be as good as reading um, his blog. So you definitely need to check that out at the Barry Chronicles. I think it's barrychronicles.com, but I'll verify that. Do we have Dave David on the line? Yes, we do. Let me bring him on in right now. Okay. So okay. I met Dave. Dave, are you there? Um, yeah. yeah, I'm here. Thank you, guys. Okay. Dave and I met... Um, we haven't met in person, I don't think. Um, but he had this really cool concept um, YouTube show where he would have dinner. He and Armando Alvarez in Miami would have dinner and talk boxing. And I just thought it was the coolest, the coolest format. And um, so I used to watch that. And, and over the years, you know, we've, we followed each other on social media. And when he said he was launching this newsletter, I was like a hundred percent on board. And, um, it turned out to be so much more of just a really incredible story than I was expecting. So Dave, welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I appreciate you guys having me and for, uh, for the intro. I love that you guys are doing this and I'm a huge yeah. fan of leaving in the ring. It also say so. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thanks man. Appreciate it. Definitely. Um, so Dave, why don't you, why don't we start? Why don't you give us the basic, you know, elevator pitch version of your story. And then we'll kind of dig in a little bit on, you know, some of the pieces. Yeah, I, you know, a lot of people have done the math. I think it's like 15 million people have done these, you know, spit in the vial and send it in the mail type of DNA tests, whether it's, you know, Ancestry.com or 23andMe, uh, MyHeritage, you know, those types of things. And it was Christmas 2016. I was sitting around a table with, um, you know, with my own family and my sister and her then boyfriend's family, who is uh, actually getting married next month. But we uh, we were just talking about, you know, funny stories that have happened, things that people learned, you know, about their, their heritage. One kid that we knew um, grew up in the same town as us in, in western New York. He had, like, an Italian coat of arms tattoo, like, you know, on his on his shoulder and took an ancestry test and found out he was totally Irish. And we just thought that was hilarious. Oh, wow. So, you know, <laughs> which, I mean, if you imagine, right, getting that tattooed on your body and you're not even close. But so, you know, I was sitting there talking to my folks and my, my father's father passed away at a, a really young age um, when he was 39 years old. So my dad was, was seven. 
And I was like, you know, I don't, I know a lot about my mom's side of the family, not a lot about my dad's. I was like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, order one of these tests. And I did it right there in front of them, you know, around Christmas dinner and didn't really think a lot of it. So I got my, you know, the kit in the mail, sent it in results come back six weeks later. My father's side of the family is, is Irish um, Italian is, you know, is what we understood. And my results came back and showed me as, half Jewish, <laughs> um, which on my mom's yeah. side of the family did sense. And, uh, you know, things just didn't make sense from there. Uh, it's pretty much the story in short. Wait, so, so and hold we, on, let's, let's back up here real quick. I, cause I'm just curious. So your family had never told you this before. Uh, I mean, you know, so you didn't know anything that was going on, right? You just expected to just kind of be reassured what you, thought you already knew was that what happened yeah I, I, my dad's uh my dad knew that his dad was was irish in general you know but it was it was likely as you know as so many people in america that there's you know a little bit of this a little bit of that um no one was expecting or at least certainly not me that my other side of my family would show up as entirely jewish in order for half of me to be jewish that meant that one of my parents was entirely jewish and that didn't make sense, you know, to me, although it's, it's possible that there's things you just don't know about your heritage. And yeah, but right. I was, I was totally caught off guard exactly as, you know, as you implied, I, I had no sense that this is what would be there. And how about your family? So, how about your dad? Was he like caught off guard with that or did he look like, yeah, um, that makes sense. Yeah. It, so this is, this is where things got interesting. And I, I know I'm sort of like burying the lead a little bit. Um, of ultimately what I discovered and I can sort of spoil the ending, but it took about six months for, uh, of me sort of researching, digging a little deeper, taking breaks and whatever uh, of my parents ultimately revealing to me that they, my dad is not my biological father, that uh, I was ultimately conceived through, through sperm donation. And that, yes, that had been kept for me and my parents had, you know, I I didn't think they'd be good liars, but (laughs) but they had really kept, you know, a, a good poker face throughout this whole process playing kind of a degree of ignorance, which is just like, you know, hey, we don't really know how these DNA work type of thing. All the while, you know, now in hindsight, understanding that I think they were terrified that this thing that they'd kept secret up until that point of like 33 years um, was going to get blown wide open. And uh, so, yeah, I... Good. I think a lot of people do these tests and there's like a, you know a chance you might be interested in doing this test as a chance you might not be right. Like I haven't done it. I don't have this burning desire, but you seem based on what you've, you know, what I read throughout your blog, you seem sort of interested in, you were interested in your heritage to begin with. You kind of had adopted that Italian heritage and you spent, what was it like five years learning Italian, right? Yeah. Yeah. From uh, my early, I guess late in middle school all the way through high school. Uh, because it was, you know, a part of, I, I never really had much of a relationship with my dad's side of the family growing up. And so taking Italian was like the part that I could sort of gain access to in some ways. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad I get a, a tattoo like that other guy did. Because <laughs> uh, yeah. it turns out there's not an ounce of Italian blood in, in my body. And and the irony, I you know, it kind of struck me when I was listening or, or reading, I'm sorry, the... Um, the blog about the dinner you guys had at Christmas and it was like a full on Italian dinner. Um, yeah. Sort of celebrating yeah. that part of your heritage. And then that didn't yeah, turn out not all, to be. 
pasta, cannolis, the whole thing. And <laughs> and instead I'm Jewish and German, which is uh, wow. interesting. Yeah. And yeah. so you, there was a time from the time that you took the test, got the, the results and really sort of tried to come to terms with this new information. Um, there was six months between then and and when your parents actually um, revealed that they had in fact used a sperm donor. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. I, you know, at first I brought that to them, you know, as anybody would when they see a test result like that, that makes no sense to them. And they were like, Oh, wow. You know, we, we don't really know, you know, how, well, you know, what sense to make of that either. And now at the time too, another thing that's like, how did that get in I, there? Right, exactly. Right. And it's fun, too, because to That's some peculiar. extent, I allow to play ignorant, too, right? Which is like, okay, well, my dad doesn't know a lot about his, you know, his own father because he passed away at such a young age. So maybe he was Jewish. You know, like there was, there was plausible di- right. deniability in there somewhere. Um, not, not as much as I needed, but enough of it to make me not think too hard about it. But I also had uh, a very high match with a, a woman who I'd never heard of. And the Ancestry.com will give you sort of a prediction uh, of, like, the types of relationships you could have. So in this particular match, it said this person is close enough to be a grandparent, a first cousin, an aunt, or a half-sibling. And so I immediately start going to the thing that feels most logical. Now, at that point, I, you know, an aunt wouldn't make sense because I would have grown up with one. Um, A grandparent, you know, I knew who my grandparents were. Um, you know, a half sibling just was, was not even on the radar because, you know, I, I grew up with a, a sister and, you know, and two parents and that was our family. And so I immediately went to like, okay, maybe she's a first cousin. You know, I had an uncle who got out of the military in, in the mid eighties, um, was always a little short on cash and like, yeah, maybe he, maybe he donated sperm. So, you know, I started conjuring up this little story and I think my parents hoped I would drop it. Um, but they also didn't want me going around accusing an uncle <laughs> of being a sperm donor. So they were like, ah, you know, like, just don't go poking into that, you know, type of thing. And I was, was still kind of oblivious. And, um, yeah, I sort of let it go for, for a little bit. Um, you know, as I continued to hit a wall, this girl that I'd matched with, we exchanged messages. And she told me she'd been conceived through, you know, through a sperm donor. So that's when I assumed it could have been my uncle. But neither of us had any more insight. And until around September, uh, at this point, I guess, of 2017, we so in a, in a funny twist, my wife is adopted, and so is her her sister. Her sister came over that night um, in September and said, "Hey, look, I you know I want to tell you guys I found um, my biological half sister and my biological father." And she was telling us, you know, all these measures of common DNA that she has with this half sister that she found on on Ancestry, and she's you know telling us the numbers. She's like, "Yeah, we have over 1,100 centimorgans." you know, in common, the centum organ is a measure of shared DNA between you and another person. And so I'm sitting there listening and she's saying this. I'm like, wait a second. I think, I think I have more DNA in common with this girl that I matched with, you know, four or five months ago than she does with her own half sister. So I, you know, she's talking and I'm pulling open the, the website again. And this girl and I, uh, her name is Morgan. We have over 1500 centum common. So immediately alarms start going off in my head that like, I've stumbled on something and I don't know what it, you know, what the details are, but I'm, I'm, 
I'm really starting to smell that something's off. And um, like Morgan and I, we upload our raw data from this DNA to a third-party site called GedMatch. And what that site basically does is it will tell you if you share uh, paternal or maternal DNA. And so we, you know, uploaded our information to that. And it takes a while for the information to process. The next morning, we learned that we have paternal DNA in common and another match. We have a brother. Um, <laughs> as a, or oh, at least that's, that's what it's predicted that we had a half-brother. So I called my parents you know, to the altar on that night. And I was like, look, there's another one. And it's saying that we're half siblings. I was like, I'm not accusing anybody of anything. I'm just telling you what these numbers say. And um, right. And sort of went to bed that night. And we're like, look, you know, sweetheart, we're we're really not sure what it's about. You know, we admit to not really understanding a lot about what's in there. And then the next night, I got a phone call from my father. And well, at first it was a text message, and I get a text from my dad. He you know, he'll text me once in a while. Um, but rarely, you know, at the time of night that he did, and I looked down at my phone and I just felt in my gut that something, something was going to happen. He was going to tell me something. And I, I called him and, uh, he was like, are you home? And I said, no, I mean, I'm about to get in the car. And I was like, I, all right, I got Bluetooth in my car. I can talk. And he was just, you could tell he was reluctant. And I was like, dad, what? I, you know, I, I obviously know something is going on. What, what is going on? And he said, uh, you know, I know you've been digging into this DNA stuff, but you're trying to find information about, you know, my father and, you know, my family. And I just want to let you know you're not going to find it. And I immediately had this, you know, sense that, like, this truck is going to get pulled over me because, you know, for for six months he's been saying, you know, I don't know how this DNA stuff works. And now all of a sudden he's certain that I'm not going to find, you know, information about his, his father. And, uh you know, he tells me that I'm I'm not his biological son. And wow, man! That's a little phone call to get. I'm 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 oh. curious, Dave. Of um, I'd like to kind of backtrack a little bit if we can, man, if it's possible. Yeah, yeah. I took you down a rabbit hole pretty fast. Yeah, um, I did the whole ancestry thing just about uh, three months ago, I think. Yeah, a little bit, maybe a little longer than that. You know, and uh, my wife actually got it for me for my um, last year for my birthday last year. Not this one that just passed, but and I sat on it and I sat on it because yeah. I was like, uh, do I really want to know like everything about my, my family, blah, 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 you know, because I kind of pretty much thought I know everything about my family. Like, I know everything about my dad, uh, about my mom, you know, um, but right. then I went, oh, I'm going to go check it out, you know. But I didn't get hit with nothing, like, that I didn't, like, I didn't know, you know. But it was in the back of my mind, like, wow, what if it ends up like this? These are not my parents, right? Like, in, so, so my question for you is, okay, so you do this. What were the emotions you were going through, like, immediately when you started, like, like putting things together, like, were you in denial for a short bit? Like, ah, this is just kind of weird. I'm going to leave it alone. I'll let it sit there. Or, or were you upset? Like, were you slowly getting angry going like, did my parents lie to me? Like, am I being a fool here? Did I just get duped in believing something for so many years? That's a good question. I, you know, at first I felt, I think part of me was hopelessly naive or hopeless, hopefully naive. <laughs> um, you know, in the early right. stages where I was like, oh, 
I, I believe like so many people did that like the family that I have is, is, is my family, um, you know, biological and otherwise. I just, I never had reason to, to question it. Um, and, and people always ask me like, you know, well, if you never looked like your dad, didn't you always just wonder? And I was like, well, yeah, maybe a little bit, you know, but I was like, well, I look more like my mom, you know, and, and it just sort of is what it is. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't go to such great lengths. And then part of you just wants to do everything you can to reinforce the story that you've always been told. It's not in anybody's natural, you know, instinct to say, Hey, uh, you know, I have a reason to believe that I've been lied to or, you know, or withheld a certain truth for my entire life. I will say I only became sort of angry is maybe it's not entirely the word, but it's not wrong. But in really in the past, the last week before I found out because I continued to get information that made no sense. And, and my parents didn't seem interested in helping me, you know, uncover it. And I'm like, well, at a minimum, I think that I have found, you know, my, my parents and niece, you know, my, my first cousin, why is no one interested in understanding that? And, you know, I, and this woman, you know, who I'd matched with Morgan, I mean, she lives, you know, in Rochester, New York, where I grew up. And I'm like, I, I was getting frustrated at that point. Right. And then, you know, when, when I was told, it's, it's weird, right? You know, to choose the See, emotion I, when that I, you feel. When I, when I did the whole yeah, ancestry, I got to say, when, when I did the whole ancestry thing, I got to tell you the truth here to both of you guys, you and Emily. Um, I was actually kind of hoping it was going to come back and say, these are not your parents. And I was going, oh, explains everything then, you know, that I am, I, that I, that's the reason why I am the way I am. But no, I, I was disappointed, man. I'm going to have to call them up and let them know like, they really dropped the ball for me. You know, no, I'm kidding. You know, I love your mom. I love you, dad, but continue, brother. Um, Dave, Dave um, you, you knew, you mentioned that you knew your parents had struggled to start a family. They had told you that. Um, so I don't understand how you'd have that conversation in context and them not say, and here's how we ended up doing it at any point. I know. Um, and I've, and I've, you know, I've brought that to their attention since then. And so, you know, to that point for anyone who hadn't read what you did, yeah, my parents had, they were married in 1979 and, they had, you know, pretty clear ambitions of having a honeymoon baby. And I wasn't born until September of 84. So, you know, do the math. It's, it's five years. It's a long time for a couple that's, that's trying. And I knew that they, you know, had uh, obstacles. But, you know, I, they happened to leave out a really important component <laughs> of, of what those obstacles entailed and helping them overcome it. And what, I, what I've tried to do, and, and people ask me, like, are you angry? Are you mad at your parents? And the truth is I'm, I'm not. And maybe part of that is self-preservation, right? A therapist could probably help me explore that. But the the real feeling that I had was putting myself in their shoes, which is there was no such thing as consumer DNA testing in the 80s, not even in the 90s or early 2000s. You know, like this is just right, in the past right. five or so years. So if I'm in their shoes, you know, in the early 80s and thinking how hard it is for couples to talk about infertility even now when it's less mm-hmm. of a taboo, um, you know, I, I understand that in large part they were doing what they thought was right. And they told me, you know, I asked them straight up, did you guys ever plan to tell me this? And they said, you know, it, yeah, it, it period of time we were like, well, well, you know, we'll tell you when you're, you know, I don't know, six, seven, eight years old, when you can start to understand They're it. Like, and no, we're going to leave you a letter. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> we were planning to leave you a letter. We're going to tell you. 
Yeah, just send it through FedEx, you know, and they're like, oh, well, maybe when you're 16 or 18, like those milestone birthdays, and every time they got there, they were like, why are we going to blow yeah. this life up, you know, if, you know, if we don't have to? And I, look, you know, I, I think everyone deserves the truth, um, period, end of story, you know, about who they are and where they came from. And so from my position, yeah, I absolutely always would have wanted to know, but from their perspective, you know, I could, I could imagine the fear of having raised a family and then your kids finding out at some point saying, well, well, you're not my real dad or you're not my real family. You know, I, I think that fear, especially to my father was very real. Um, and so in that regard, I mean, if you're listening to this and you read nothing else, you got to read the first two blog entries, um, or first two or three blog entries of, of Dave's blog, because and this is where, I mean, I I, I guess I kind of get the idea of being upset, but your dad's reaction, like, I lost my dad two years ago, right? So I miss him constantly, you know? And to hear your dad's reaction, the way that you described it, that he was, when he called you to tell you the truth, finally, he, he was, you know, hysterical, um, crying hysterically. And, I mean... It, it really moved me because I was like, God, he loved him so much. Like there was never, you know, I guess That's maybe. the scariest thing, it, I think. Yeah, like uh, like he would be afraid that you would turn on him. or And it's similar to right. just reading her, the, the same, when you were concerned about your sister finding out, like your, your sister that you grew up with, finding out yeah. you were afraid that she would pull away from you. So it's kind of the same sort of feeling, no? Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was very much like that. If I had a lens into, you know, my father at all through this, it was what I felt. So I found out on a Wednesday um, over the phone, my family, they all still live in Rochester, New York. I live in Miami, Florida. And, you know, they told me, you know, once the, the first wave of tears subsided that they said, you know, we would have wanted to tell you in person, but you were just so close. It would have seemed weird to say, hey, dad's going to fly down to Miami for the weekend, you know, but they wanted to wait a couple of days to tell my sister in person and they did. And so it was two days between me knowing and, and my sister finding out. And those two days are, they, they were torturous. I, I would never want to go through anything like that because my sister and I are very, very close. And I couldn't imagine anything ever coming between us. And the truth is, though, just because I knew that I still loved and, you know, saw my father as my father, it didn't mean that that was going to be the same reaction my sister had. And, yeah, I, I hoped, you know, that she would, she would take it well, but I, but I didn't know. And so that was a lens I used to sort of understand my father, which is, you know, he has not had a relationship with his own, you know, family uh, since I was five years old. And so my sister and I are, are his, his family or his kids, we're, we're it. And so if, you know, if I'm looking at it through that lens, that there's this moment where I might lose both of my kids, I, I just couldn't imagine the, the fear. Um, that you know of being in his shoes in a situation like that and yeah, that's um, something he i know, mean yeah. as a father as myself um that is probably one of the hardest things that your dad went through you know you know how many sleepless nights or him having this conversation in his head of how he's going to break this to his son you know because yeah. you know, i i always tell my kids that you don't no love until you have children of your own. Like, I, I, you know, I mean, you, you're gonna love your spouse, your, your, whoever you decide to live the rest of your life with. But when it's your, 
regardless if it's your flesh and blood, when you raise a child from the beginning and you put your whole heart into it, man, there's nothing more. There's nothing that will ever replace the feeling of, of your kid's eyes looking at you. Nothing will ever replace yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, I, and it's not the lens that I have yet. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you. No, I was just going to say that, you know, my husband, you know, I, he was, he, when I met him, he's a dad, but he didn't have, he has a son, you know, on the weekends sometimes, sometimes it'd be months, you know, in between because his mom would move out of, out of the state. And I'll tell you, like, the way that he is with Nicola, like, it's been so amazing to watch. It's, he is so absolutely head over heels in love with this kid. Um, and it's really kind of, I think it's brought us really close. Like I didn't expect that, but it's brought us closer. Just enjoying being his parents. Yeah. Dave, I got a question. Your dad, does your dad have that old school Italian accent? Like, you know, like, you know, the soprano (laughs) accent or no? No, no, he doesn't. It's uh, and, and it's funny because the question I originally set out to answer was, you know, how much of him is Italian? I, I know that his mother was born in Italy, but his father, um, you know, we still believe was Irish. So, but because, you know, his his mother had you know lived in the United States most of her life, yeah, the influence of the Italian culture on the family was smaller than it would be perhaps in other families. Um, so, yeah, he's, He's not like a super Italian guy, but a lot of my friends. Oh, are. man. That was, <laughs> so. I, was like, I was like hearing in my head your dad telling you, you know, you know the whole story. Like, hey, listen, uh, pity bomb, buddy bang. It's not you. You're not my kid. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Forget about it. No doubt about yeah. it. Forget about it. Right. I yeah, don't exactly. know. I, <laughs> hey, when we when do <laughs> the documentary, man, say, maybe hey, it's You should have caught on to that at the beginning. You're like, how come I don't look like my dad over here, you know? My dad uses his hands to talk with everybody about everything, you know, and I don't. Oh, what's going on here? That's the first sign that right, I would have that, noticed that I was his kid. Yeah. <laughs> it is funny. Dave. You know, it's funny you would say so. Go, oh, go ahead, Emily. No, no, go ahead. Oh, I was, I was simply just going to say, you know, like when you find out that your dad's not your biological father, you do sort of look at everything else that has happened in your entire life through a different lens. So like, as an right. example, you know, the thing wasn't, wasn't part of it, but I played varsity basketball as a junior in high school. Like I wasn't bad, but my dad was like, you know, at that point he was 27 years older than me. So I'm, you know, he's like 43, 44 years old when I'm playing varsity and he's, you know, still smoking cigarettes and stuff, you know, comes home from work and just destroys me and my friends. Like, he's so good at the age of 43. <laughs> I'm a varsity basketball player, right? And I'm like, what the hell, man? Like, I'm, I'm playing every day, and I'm, and I'm a teenager. Like, you know, it's just like, right. oh, well, it makes sense. You know, like, <laughs> that sort of stuff. You know, my dad was just a superior athlete, and I, I was passable, <laughs> but I, I didn't have these genes. Right. So I'm like, oh, well, I guess that finally makes sense, you know. So was so he doing it? Was he playing basketball with cigars? Well, was he doing that? Because <laughs> that would what even make that? it even more. Epic. I said when he was beating you guys, was he doing it with a cigar in his mouth while he was playing? Oh. That would have been epic. <laughs> I know, man. No, he. Yeah, by the time we were teenagers and we were good enough, he uh, he actually, you know, he gave his full effort, but it was it was usually enough. <laughs> right, patting you on the back, saying, "Don't worry, son, you'll get there soon." You'll get there. Right. You ended up. <laughs> How many siblings did you end up with at the end of all of this so far? Because I'm assuming this is like, you know, an ongoing yeah. thing, right? It is. Yeah. So I, um, 
in, you know, basically when I just, on the day that I discovered my father, you know, was not my bio, biological father, I was essentially given two half siblings because I'd found, you know, one of them who had been communicating with, I'm sorry, my dog is whining here. <laughs> I'd been communicating with one of them for, you know, about six months through messaging. That was Morgan. And then we found, um, you know, uh, another one, um, like, I guess, two days prior uh, named Thomas, we found him on this GEDmatch website. And so he found out, you know, essentially the same day that I did um, that we were, that we were siblings. And so there were really just the three of us at first for gosh, close to a year. And in <laughs> a really weird twist to this is we, the three of our families actually met up and had dinner one night in Rochester, New York. And it was like, just this amazing moment, you know, like everything comes full circle and it was just spectacular seeing our families interact and we go to bed and the next morning I wake up uh, to a text message from Thomas saying, uh, there's another one. And we were uh-huh. oblivious to the fact, naive to uh-huh. the fact that there could have been anything else. And it turns out there was, there were in fact two, it's that we matched, he had matched with one girl, but she has a twin sister. Um, so that day we found out there were number four and five and then fast forward, you know, over the next six to 10 months, there were two others, uh, additional brothers, one of whom, and this is where things get, you know, even weirder. He and I were classmates together in middle school and guess what class we took together? No, Italian. no, <laughs> wow. were yeah. any of them, yeah. were any of them in the same situation where they didn't expect this or know that there was a sperm donor involved? Uh, like yeah, did this put anybody up the way it did you, I guess is what I'm asking. A little bit. Yeah. We were about half and half, um, half, okay. you know, new up. So, you know, one of the Morgan, for example, her father had been in a, uh, uh, a motorcycle accident and was paralyzed early on in the parents' marriage. So, you know, they wanted to say, pretty pretty plainly like hey you know obviously dad would not be able to conceive through no means this is how you were made type of thing um thomas his mother uh is a lesbian and you know obviously there were no men in the picture growing up so she always was clear with him but yeah for the most part the rest of us were were discovering this sort of anew um wow and you know yeah are, <laughs> it's we, kind of are we going to see you guys in an ancestry commercial <laughs> I, I don't know. Some of them are not, you know, too keen on being as open about the story, I guess, as I have been. But, but yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule anything out. <laughs> you guys can all go on a, on a commercial like this where it says. <laughs> that would definitely would work, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that's hysterical. Hey, Dave, let me, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Um, which one of your siblings didn't take it as, as well, though? Like, which one of them was having a really tough time grasping the the truth of about what was going on? Um, you know, I would say Morgan, Thomas, and I all did a really nice job of embracing it together. And, you know, I'm, I feel really fortunate to have gone through this with the two of them because that's that's something that so few people will ever experience or understand and we and we had each other um but i will say you know the the one who was a my middle school classmate named cj um i think he had perhaps you know the toughest time out of all of us for for different reasons um he had had 
some health issues, like I guess a year prior to you know to taking his ancestry test, and grew up. You know, his father that he, that raised him passed away at a very young age. He was 36 years old, 36, and a host of you oh, know, wow. health issues and stuff, heart related. And so CJ had you know a health issue that you know the year prior um, that made him believe you know this was the product of inherited heart issues. And come to find out, you know, he he never had heart issues. They were not hereditary. You know, there was there was something you know going on with him. But part of it, he was his doctors were looking at all the wrong indicators because they were looking at hereditary information that was not there. And um, so I know, in particular, that was that was an obstacle for him. And that was you know a whole host of other different emotions to get through and. You know, when when that came up, my parents had said, "Yeah, for sure." If you know, if it came down to some sort of a medical issue, where God forbid you needed a, you know, a kidney donated or something like that, like we, we you know, we would have had no choice but to come out with it. Um, but that you know was not the case with with uh, with CJ, and he, I know he certainly struggled with that. It was not it was not an easy process. Um, I have a really important question. Um. Where did El Rey de Espana come from? <laughs> you know, I was looking was, and I, I thought even before I saw the caption where you're like, "Yep, that's the name," you know, and I was like, "Is that what he calls himself?" Like that's. <laughs> it's funny. So what Emily is referring to is the the name that I gave like my ancestry.com profile, which was yeah, calling myself El Rey de Espana, which means the King of Spain. Um, and part of that was because, you know, after a while when there was like an influx of, of new siblings, I tried to put a stop to it for a while and I didn't want my name out there because I just, I, I needed to take some time and just not Process be it. the world's yeah. <laughs> Um And so, yeah, I changed. For, I don't know where it was. It was totally stream of conscience just to call myself the King of Spain, <laughs> which probably raised even more questions for people on a DNA journey matching to a Jewish right. kid, the King of Spain. But uh, how did you, <laughs> I was like, what is? Have you um, have you embraced that that I the Jewish part of your ancestry now? I mean, have you? I know because, like I said, I think that this is something that would would have been of interest to you had you known. Um, yeah. Like you seem to be, in, yeah. you know, engaged in this topic and and these things. So, how has that um, impacted it, you? It's interesting because it's interesting. my the parallel path that I have is I, so I was, had been dating my girlfriend for, I guess, about a year and a half, maybe years at that point. And she, like I said, is adopted, but was raised Jewish. So Mike, and it was funny because I always felt like the outsider, um, you know, around like her, her family and stuff as, you know, anybody who knows, you know, the Jewish community knows they're, they're really tight knit and, you know, tend to be, clicky, you know, like the way a lot of, you know, other, uh, you know, ethnic groups are that, you know, they stick to the, a lot of their groups of people and stuff like that. So part of me felt like an outsider and her mom, you know, had never held it against me that I wasn't Jewish, but on the first Passover, when she found out I was, you know, announced it to the whole family. Um, you know, oh, she came really and hugged you. Stuff, she right? came and hugged you finally. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> she was really, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for the first time, right? No, <laughs> no, she's always you been great to me. They're one of us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She, yeah, she finally she, invited, she finally invited you to the table for dinner. Him, come sit down, Dave. Exactly. Serve you right. first. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. 
they call it, you know? So, so that was, it was interesting because I had a new lens into the experience of my wife, but here's one of the things that I've, I don't want to say I've battled with it, but it's been, you know, like a question mark in my head is, you know, the history, you know, of Jewish people and how much of their identity for better or worse is wrapped up in this major atrocity. And part of me felt like, like an imposter to try to adopt that heritage because I've, I've been masquerading, you know, like sort of wearing a, a mask, you know, like through my whole life, just, you know, operating as like this European without, you know, blonde, you know, blonde and blue eyed, essentially uh, now bald and blue eyed, but, <laughs> um, but like never fun. really being able. Yeah, exactly. But never really being able to, or, or not having to suffer any of the obstacles that come with maybe being like, saying that you're Jewish or being Jewish because um, I'd never faced any of those, those obstacles that they had. Um, so part of me has been, I don't want to say reluctant, but like I've never wanted to pretend to be, have been Jewish the whole time when the reality is I just discovered it. And that feels insincere to like fully adopt that heritage. But, um, but in an interesting way, it's helped, um, it's helped me understand and, and feel closer to, you know, to my wife and her family and, and their experiences and traditions. And that's, that's been pretty cool. That is cool. Um, I want to ask you some business questions because uh, I want to get your opinion on some stuff. Um, yeah. Dave, do you have any other DNA questions? I think I'm going to do this. I'm going to do the Ancestry DNA. So one of these future shows, when I get it back, I'll let you guys know what, what it says. But I look forward to that. I'm oh, that's nice. Yeah. No, it is really interesting. I'm finding out a lot of stuff. That I that I have that I didn't even know. I was like, "What the hell?" Like I got like two percent French. I was oh, like, "Wow, right. yeah." yeah they so I'm like, "Okay, a wee wee." Yeah. What's the best one <laughs> you get? Know, Is it Ancestry or Twenty Three and Me? Oh, uh, you know, it's See? interesting. I think you a lot of me. Of... Mm. Either of oh, you guys? With... Oh, <laughs> David, you can answer that. I just used the ancestry. I mean, I, I I have never heard of the twenty three. So I I mean, like I said, but this was a gift. I think my wife was trying to. I think you know what? I think my wife was hoping that it was going to come back and say my parents weren't my parents, so that she could now finally ha- justify disowning them and not wanting to go and visit them. I think that that was the Don't plan. Don't say that. What if her parents are listening? That's not cool, Dave. What are you doing? <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. My parents know. <laughs> They vary. The good thing is my parents are as about as horrified as I am, so they got a great sense of humor. (laughs) And yeah, Emily, to your your question, I would say, at once upon a time, Twenty Three and Me was known a lot more for like the traits that come from your DNA and what they say about you, whereas Ancestry was designed to be, you know, for like building family trees and that sort of thing. But both of them Mm -hmm. have kind of caught up with you now. you know, in that sense where they, they're able to tell you based on research of people who share your DNA, um, you know, different biological traits and things like that, where like predictors of, gosh, anything you can imagine, um, you know, like your ability to digest protein, like like stuff that's that granular wow. and up to, hmm. you know, more generic, like your propensity to, you know, gain muscle easily or whatever. But um, so, yeah, both of them offer those now and it's it, it can be pretty fascinating. Um provided that you don't encounter any major secrets in the process. <laughs> yeah. I I mean, I can't imagine. I know that my, my son has done it. Huh? 
Emily, you should do yours live. If you do do it, and when you get back the results, yeah, that'd be great. Because like, what if it comes back? You're like a second cousin to Donald Trump, and you never knew Uh that, and and you live here, live on the radio. Dave, um, where can people? Before we move on to the, I have a couple questions for you to get your opinion on something. But uh, where can people read? this story and uh, you have it on video too, which is also cool. Cause I've kind of started it on video and I think that sort of lent itself to some of the emotions I was having. I mean, I texted Dave and I was like, why am I crying? You know, I was like distraught after listening to the first two episodes. Um, yeah. Uh, so if anybody wants to, to read the blog, which I, I do agree is the, the longer form, you know, better, richer version is barrychronicles.com. Uh, Barry spelled with uh, an E B E R R Y. And uh, then there's the YouTube channel by the, by the same name. You can check out either of those. Um, the blogs are way more up to date, more videos on YouTube, but, uh, but you can check them out both uh, on those. Um, I want to know from, so you, for your business, you do marketing and branding, that kind of stuff, right? Uh, yeah, but primarily like on the digital side of things, but yep. Tell me uh, who's had sort of the best, what brands have really just screwed it up in the last couple of weeks between COVID and um, George Floyd and, you know, what, what brands have kind of screwed the pooch on that? Man, the way they've you know, handled it's, it. It's, it's, different examples. Huh, I wish I'd come better prepared to answer that one. Um, Cause I don't have like a ton of specifics, but I'll tell you right now, one of the, uh, the brands that's getting it, it's ass kicked. If I can you know say so is, is Facebook. Um, because they've they've yeah. mishandled a lot of, like the labels that go on, you know Donald Trump's posts and stuff like that. Uh, whereas other mm-hmm. Twitter, you know social channels like Twitter were fast to respond, and they've also you know sort of dragged a little bit for the lack of diversity on their board while preaching diversity, you know through their messaging and stuff like that. And so um, some brands pulled a lot of their advertising off uh, of Facebook entirely. One of those brands was the North Face. Um, so I would say, you know, Facebook is one, but really any brand that's just saying like any of that repetitive crap, like we're all in this together or, you know, like it, it's all yeah. that sort of crap. Yeah. Black lives matter, but we don't have any diversity on our board <laughs> at all. Exactly. Um, we have, and you know, those are the brands that are rightfully being brought to task because if you don't have diversity as a value of your organization, then, then don't try to like, you know, rally the troops to join a cause that you're only paying lip service to. Um, so that's, you know, that's one of the things mm. that we've seen. And, for, you know, good news is that none of the brands that we're working with. Oh, that's good. Talk to me about um, Snapchat, their Juneteenth filter that had chains on the person. And then when you'd had to smile, you know, like on Snapchat, you either smile or raise your eyebrows to, like, activate it to do something. You smile yeah. and the chains come off. That seems, I, I can't. like, not. It's. Yeah, like you smile about, you know, about the emancipation of the slaves and you break the chains. Like Juneteenth is, is not the time to be telling white people, you know, to smile and, and unlock the chains of slavery. Right. Like, that's not really the key. And, and this is also from Snapchat. You know, like, who, are, who let that through? Well, they're the same ones. I think it was like four or five years ago who had a poll in a similar setup where it was like, would you rather uh, punch Chris Brown or slap Rihanna? Like, and everybody knows, like, what happened between them. And Snapchat made a poll about that on its channel. Wow. <laughs> what? So, yeah. Jeez. So I, 
I want to pretend that I'm Yeah, Snapchat is uh, is not really known for keeping the ball in control. <laughs> they they fumble a lot. Okay, that's wild. All right. Um, yeah. Okay, well, who um, – I really – also, people should follow you, um, find you and follow you on social media because I, I so enjoy your posts. You know, you do these, these five things posts, and they're really, like, things that I want to say out loud and I don't. And I'm always kind of, like, I admire you for being able to say some of the stuff you do just because, you, you, I mean, and the people you are friends with, react in a positive way. You don't have, you know, a scattering of friends that are like, no, the Confederate flag is good. We need it. You know, I do uh, have like, family. Uh, and I, stuff. I, I, <laughs> yeah. Anybody can, uh, can find me on those. Yeah. If you, if you look for David Berry, B E R R Y on, on any of Emily's friends list, you'll probably find me, uh, on yeah. the different channels. But yeah, my, my five things, I appreciate that. I have some fun with that. I enjoy that so much. Cause I, always on point. Well, what did I say yesterday? I said, if you want reluctant white people to care about racism, you can make it a statue in a park they never go to. Um, yeah. <laughs> <that's simple>. yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. So, yeah, I have a little fun with that sometimes. Uh, <laughs> Do you have any bad jokes? Bad jokes. Oh, man. Um, yeah, actually, this this one's really cheesy. Um, I think I might have two, actually. What was... Uh, you hear about the two cell phones that got married? Mm-mm. No, right? Um, they, they said the ceremony was great, but the reception was was fantastic. Uh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Can you hear me now? Uh, I'm stealing that one. I'm stealing it. My dad. Yep, one of my favorite memories of my dad. He was really funny. Like I wish I could remember all of his jokes. I know that when my brother took his girlfriend to my dad's work to meet him. My dad said, where's your seeing eye dog? <laughs> Which I thought was funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of rough. <laughs> um, uh, but every Christmas is my favorite thing to tell. Like, I really love Christmas. I always have. And, you know, my dad on Christmas would always work because we had to be at my mom's in the morning anyway. So he would take the shift so that the younger guys with young kids could be home with their family. And he was a houseman. So when you were at a hotel and you, you call um, – you know, can can you bring me an iron or a crib or whatever? He he would be the one to do that. And on Christmas, he worked at a, the Camelback Inn, which is like a really high end resort and hotel here. It's like one of the top ones, if not the top one here in town. I mean, I guess the Biltmore's nicer, but um, but he would wear a Santa hat. But my dad had a similar sense of humor to me that he he would put cardboard in the hat and wear it straight up, and it was just the most hilarious thing. Like just such a goof. Like, he did stuff like that all the time. <laughs> dads can so. get away with that. Because they're dads. Uh, yeah. Well, and the whole time I was listening to your, your you know, your description of your dad's reaction, it kind of, like, physically pained me. Because I'm like, you're so lucky to still have your dad. And he obviously loves you so much. And it's such such a fortunate thing. And it sounds like yeah. you really lucked out. Have- wonderful yeah, and you know what? I He's really lucky to have the son. He raised a son that's understandable, and uh, you know, the guys are still able to keep your relationship strong, man. That's pretty awesome. Thank you guys for saying that. Yeah, I, it, it's funny how life works out because, you know, I'm a I'm a really outgoing, you know, type of person. I communicate, you know, through words, and and that's just sort of my thing. And my dad's always been the opposite. Um, 
and in a really backwards way, if this had never happened, you know, my father and I would have always had a, a nice relationship, but maybe not a great one. And my father and I now, since this all happened, talk more than ever about more, Aww. you know, than ever. And it's because, you know, my dad, for any, you know, number of reasons about his own upbringing is, you know, just kind of a guy who's kept a wall up and it's kind of hard to keep a wall up that high when, you know, the, the biggest secret that you've ever had is revealed. Then what, what else are you going to keep to yourself after that? Um, and yeah. just, you know, you have a, you have a goof on your dad. You have a goof on your dad about the whole situation and to lighten it up. Uh, oh yeah, like joking with him and stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we've we've really made light of it and stuff like that. Um, you know, the basketball thing comes up a lot because that was a really big part of my relationship with my father. You know, all through growing up, we were, you know, Michael Jordan was was coming up, and you know, when I was a kid, and that was that was everything. You know, so. We'll still talk about sports, and he has no bones about telling me that he could probably still whoop me now. Um, <laughs> you know, at this point, my dad's 62, and um, so yeah, we'll, we'll talk about those things, and you know, the fact that who knows, you know, anytime an Ancestry.com DNA test goes on sale, I'll probably have another couple siblings in two months. Um, <laughs> it comes right. up a lot, and so which is funny because it's happening right now on Father's Day. They always go on sale. I so. just saw it when I pulled it up. I'm like, I'm gonna buy it now. It's 59 dollars. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. as good of a deal as you'll get. So check in with me again yeah. probably two months from now, and I'll have more for you. But but yeah, yeah. We're, we're able to. And then it'll turn out that you and I are siblings. <laughs> God, wouldn't that be something? That would be something, but it, I mean, it can't possibly be. But I know my you have dad. To have like a my son, my son did the DNA test, and he met a woman through that that was my dad's cousin that we didn't. I knew I knew of her, but I never met her. So. I know at least it tracks back for my dad. Now, my mom, I mean, she had gave birth to me, so. And I'm just, like, we have the same mental health issues, so that apple didn't fall far from that crazy tree, so. That crazy tree, the apple didn't fall far from the crazy tree. Um, do, do we have any callers with dad jokes, Dave? Uh, let me Before check. We, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah, no, we don't. Yeah, we don't. Not yet. Okay. Well, uh, if you don't mind, I've got a little final thought thing that I recorded. Uh, we're adding this segment to the show at the end of the show each week. Um, final thoughts where we kind of just share, or I'll just share, like, what's on my mind for that week. And this week it's Father's Day, so I just wanted to give a little tribute. Um, did you get the MP3 I sent you, Dave? I certainly did. Do you want me to play that now? Yeah, yeah. All right, give me a few seconds here. Kamala Jordan, father of David Jordan. So I wanted to talk to you today because it's Father's Day, and um, do a brief little interview with you and get you get your opinion on some things and and just ask you some questions about your dad. What? Tell me your first memory of your dad that you remember. Uh, the first memory of my dad was like, I was coming home from school, mm-hmm. and I remember he had like the look in his eye was kind of different today, and I was like, oh, something new, and he was like, we're gonna go to the movie today, and I was like, okay. So he took us all to the movie, so we went to go see some random movie, mm-hmm. and actually, uh, I'd actually want to check. Uh, hold on. <laughs> That's actually a really tough question because 
don't know, a lot of my memories have my dad because my dad was just very spontaneous. Okay. Um, I remember days that he would just pick me up from school randomly and he was like, I want to go see you. And I would just be so excited. And I was like, yeah, of course, because, you know, like, your kid gets pulled out of class with boys, like, by me, especially when you don't know why you're leaving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
I guess my dad, in his own philosophy, love is something that you just, you know, care for them 100%. No matter if it's, it's tedious to a bad thing or a good thing, he treats the same, I guess. Okay. What is something that you could say to your dad now that you wouldn't feel comfortable maybe, like, just saying to him in a normal environment? I don't think uh, I don't think it happens. Me and my dad have always been kind of honest with each other. My dad's always uh, wanted to have an open sort of talk sort of thing, mm-hmm. where he doesn't want me to be afraid of talking. Yeah. So what about your brother? What have you seen in their relationship that kind of makes you happy or makes them happy? Um. Well, brother, my my father have like a, a tough love relationship where it's just, you know, you gotta be persistent, I guess. And my dad is just one of those guys that doesn't give up and he's just gonna be by his side. I know that. Uh-huh. My brother doesn't know that, but he does it. So just trying to round out the end of the, the interview here. Um, what do you want to say to your dad on Thursday? Uh, I just want to say how proud I am of the podcast. I see every video. I watch almost every one. Uh, I, I'm just proud of him for that. He's following his dream because my dad has always been an entertainer, and I can tell it's in his blood. He's a singer. He wanted to be a movie writer. He just, just has that entertaining vibe that he could just grab anybody and talk to them. He just has that personality, and I admire him for that. So thank you, Dale. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Elias, for coming on the this pod. Um, your dad won't know until we play this what you said. So, what's your favorite dad joke that he's told you? Because I think we're we're taking calls with dad jokes. Oh. What's your favorite dad joke? You're like, you know what? Next let's talk. So, talk is taking a little different. So, cheese. So, like, thank you. Cheese out of my life. <laughs> wow thank you that's that was kind of like weird for me you know i actually had i don't know if i'm gonna get like kicked bites. off the network or what <laughs> <laughs> but i this definitely might be the last this, episode I, I, of emily talks i don't know <laughs> That was a that was a real surprise, Emily. Thank you for that. You know, um, I am very, I'm very very close to my kids and stuff. Uh, oh, I was, so anyways, I was gonna have this music in the background for Dave when he was on. We were interviewing him, but I guess I might as well play it for myself here while I'm telling you all what I what how I'm feeling right now about uh, about this surprise interview that you just gave me. You know, um, that was awesome. <laughs> no, that was great. I, 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 man, that that was. Thank you so, so much. I, that means a whole a whole lot to me, man. That that you uh, so got my fired. son, my youngest. Yeah, you know. I know yeah. my oldest one is. I tried to get, to get them, I tried to get the rest of them, but it wasn't working out. <laughs> yeah, my my oldest boy. He's working. He's like you know. Uh, he's out and about and stuff. He's working like a lot of long hours right now. He's he's happy yeah. to, that he's back at work and stuff, but. Yeah, man, that's you know, it, you know what's funny? Like my my kids never really tell me um 
what like what they were saying right now, like it, a lot of it's the first time me even really hearing this because I am a I am a dad that's always been very strict with them, you know, and they've always questioned that. They've always been like, you know, why can't I do this or why? Because like I never allowed my kids to to do sleepovers, never did that until they were eighteen. Believe that? Yeah. And then I allowed them to go with their friends and stuff, but. And it was just because the way I had uh, grown up, you know, I, I grew up in a very dysfunctional home and uh, my old neighborhood was pretty bad. Um, you know, I was I was uh, a very troublesome kid and I didn't want my kids to live through that. So I always worked very, very hard to give my children a chance uh, of living a different way and seeing things through a, a different. I'll take I'm going to take Dave's uh, a line, different, a different lens and. Uh, yeah. So thank you, man. I really appreciate that. That was uh that was that was so happy, that was happy very Father's uh, Day. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Uh happy Father's Day to is Dave still on the line? Happy Father's Day to your dad. Well here, thank you guys. Uh, yeah, and happy Father's Day to Lewis, my husband. He is the best dad and, and uh other dads in my life. Um uh, and I appreciate them as well. So I'm very thankful for the dads and the dad that I had, and I miss him. So thank you guys. Yeah, I do Thanks for coming on. Huh? I do have a few dad jokes if you want to hear some. Yeah, let's fire it up. Okay. I got a good one here. You can use this one for your dad there, uh, Dave. Uh, what do you call? What do you call it when Batman skips church? Mm, I don't, I don't touch on that one. Kristen Bale. Ah, that was a good one. <laughs> that was a good one. I think Lewis will enjoy that one. I'm going to tell it to him. That's better the second time. I like that. <laughs> what, what is the difference between between a tire? This is for Dave. This is a joke, actually, that I have for you, Dave. There you go. What is the difference Not between true. a tire and 365 used condoms? going to be something about rubber. <laughs> one is a know. good year. One is a good year. One is and a- the other is a great year. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. You love that one with your All right, my last so. one. My, my my last one. My last one and then I'm done. I'm done. Um okay. What what did one saggy boob Say to the other saggy boob. Uh, I don't have any guesses for that one. All right. If we don't get some support soon, people are going to think we're nuts. <laughs> nice. That was a good one. I got to share all uh, these with my, oh. my older kids. Yeah. All right, was, guys. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This is a fun show, and I really like definitely follow Dave. Um, you know, follow his story. We'll check in with him when we do my my live uh, ancestry reveal. We'll get you on the show again if you're available, and you could you could be here whenever I find out that I'm like, you know, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, so what I've been told is I'm mostly a quarter Italian, and then some English and German. That's what I know. We'll see. <laughs> oh. All right, guys. Yeah, let's, let's, uh, yeah, let's bit Bible. Bit, bit Bible. I appreciate it. 
Having me very much. Having me very much. Yeah, no problem. I, I, I don't actually have final thoughts prepared because I was I was doing the um the interview for Dave, but um I hope you guys have a great weekend. The listeners, thank you for listening. Um share with your friends. Um and I will talk to you next week. Next week we have Susie Dote, who is a death investigator. Um, and she does like medical examiner type stuff, but for homicides and prison deaths and that kind of thing. So she's going to talk about what she does in her job and some of the stories she's come across. And it should be really super interesting because even the little primer she sent me when I booked her was just so like crazy. So I can't wait for next week. So definitely tune in then every Sunday, 10 a.m. EmilyTalks.com. And we're part of the Leave It in the Ring radio network. So thank you. Yeah, I got boy problems as a human in me. Bling, bling, then I saw him, that's the goddess.